the other day I saw a little video on Facebook, as you do, and uh, it was of this race that takes place, I think it was Slovenia every year, and it's put on by Red Bull, and it's a, in the summertime, and you basically run up a ski lift, a ski jump, a ski jump hill when there's no snow on it, and it's only like 400 meters, and they just run up this big hill. Now, I've seen a lot of these weird races. You know, there's the Tough Mudder, which has all those obstacles in it, and we've seen color runs. A lot of you maybe have participated in a color run. Some of you have. Um, I even saw a bubble run, and these machines basically make tons of foam that people run through, colored foam at different spots. And Ben and I even researched how much is it to rent a bubble machine because that's super awesome, and we should do a... Nobody did that. I haven't heard of a bubble run around here. We, we We could do it. We could have the corner of the market on bubble runs. But I had never heard of a race like this before. And what's interesting is, you know, a lot of the races that, that people do are uh, uh, challenging because of the distance and the obstacles in them. A lot of them are like 5K, uh, 5 kilometers, which is about 3 miles-ish. And, uh, but this one was just a hill, 400 meters up a hill. 400 meters is just about a quarter of a mile. Now, in high school, uh, and a little bit in college, mostly high school, I ran a lot. I did track and cross country. I ran countless miles. My parents hated it because I burned through shoes left and right because all I did was run. And I liked running. I got to that point, by the way. There's a point, if you keep with it, it actually does become somewhat enjoyable and kind of clear your head and run. And you get past that part where you're thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But that actually passes after a while and you can enjoy it. And I still think to this day, if it's in my head, you know, one of these days I'm going to get back into running. It has not happened yet. Uh, I've tried several times, and I have never got back into running. Uh, I always think that, though. But, you know, when I look at the Tough Mudders and the color runs and stuff, I at least know enough to think, I can't run. I can't run 5K anymore. I just can't do that. I did that a lot in high school, but I, I am definitely not in shape to do that anymore. But there was something in me, and I think a lot of us guys have this in me, this pride, whatever, overconfidence might be a good word for it, where we still think that we can accomplish the things that we were good at when we were 18. And, you know, so I saw this race uh, that's up a hill and it's 400 meters, and I thought, that's just 400 meters in a hill. I bet I could do that. And so I was like, I'm going to watch the video. And I started watching the video, and it became very evident to me that I could not accomplish that at all, okay? And so I got a couple pictures here. Um, This is going to be a picture of this hill. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I think you have to help me out, Mary. I can't do it on my own, I guess. Oh, we went back one. Was it there for a second? Oh, no. Where was it? It was there. You saw it. So you saw it. It's fine. You know. (laughs) No. So here's the hill, okay? And like I thought, it's a hill. I bet I could run that. But here's the thing. What I didn't realize is a ski hill from the bottom, a ski jump hill, it goes up and then down and then up again. And so that first little hill, that what looks like the top, that's not the top. That's like halfway. And so if you look, if you can even see from where you're sitting, that tiny little white dot at the very top up there, that's where you finish. That's the the, the finish line of this race and then you know there's a little bit of uh, how steep this hill is if you go to the next one mary if it'll let if it'll let us play along together be nice together 
Here's a side view. So this is what they're doing for 400 meters. And so I start watching this video, and it's like, oh, yeah, there's no, no way. And you would watch these people, and they would interview them, and they would say, like, you know, I'm a cross-country skier, but in my off-season, I, you know, I like to keep in shape by doing things like this. And it's like, goodness gracious. So these are people who are in top physical form all the time, professional athletes on some level. And then they, I would watch them climb up to the very top, and they would get across the finish line, and the, the officials for the race would then drag them out of the way because they would just like cross the finish line and go limp and they would block the other people coming through and you're going to have some sort of weird pileup but you can't have a pileup there because what would happen is people would just start rolling back down the hill and so they kind of drag them out of the way and I'm like there's no way I would ever be able to do anything like this even though I thought I could and I'm watching it thinking how are they doing it how are these people finishing this ridiculous race now we'll come back to that in just a little bit but today we are continuing, and we're getting close to the end of a series that we are calling Elements. It's a series where we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, it's a list that the Apostle Paul gives us, a list of character traits, of behaviors, things that are supposed to be elemental or foundational to how we live our lives. These are supposed to be character traits that just kind of eke out of who we are. We just live these things out. And because I want you guys to know them, every week we've been reading these aloud. And a couple weeks ago I started putting blanks in the list because I'm mean, I guess. But uh, you guys blew me away last week. You guys know this stuff. And if you haven't been with us through this series and you don't know this, don't feel bad. We're like seven weeks in and we've been doing this list over and over and over again. But um, for those of you that might know it, let's try this. We're going to try doing it with the blanks and we're going to read this aloud together. Okay, ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Very good. I think next week and the week after the last two weeks, I think we're just going to have nothing up there and we're going to do it together because you guys are really, really good. And if you don't know it, here's actually the full, the full list of, of these things um, with all of them there so you can kind of look at it real quick before we move on. Now, each week in this series, we have talked about a different one of these traits. And today the trait is faithfulness. Faithfulness. And I'm so excited to talk about faithfulness because I love these topics where it's one of those things that everybody thinks they understand, but when you really start looking at it, there's tends to be a lot of places where we get off track, where we kind of twist the idea of what it means to be faithful. And so we're going to talk about faithfulness today as we go through this. Um, I think um, one place where we get really, really off track is... Um, when people who don't go to church look at maybe and give us an idea of what it means to be faithful, you see on, t on television shows and movies or uh, reality TV, that's not reality, you know, that. Um, but when people talk about someone who is very religious or they're, they're a very faithful religious person, basically what they mean by that is they're somebody who does all the churchy things. And they boil down faithfulness and, and faith in itself down to basically just following list of rules. And so to them, being faithful means, you know, we don't cuss and we don't get too angry most of the time. And when we hit our finger with a hammer, we say, oh, shucks, and not any of those other words that we could say. And, you know, we, we come to church every week and we read our Bibles and we pray and they kind of boil down Christianity to being nothing more than we're just a bunch of Ned Flanders walking around in our lives. And that's kind of what a lot of people think about some Christians, that we're just the people who follow all the rules. But I think if you boil down faith to just following the rules, you do a great disservice to the idea of faithfulness and what it means to actually do this thing that we are trying to do week in and week out as we get together. And so 
what faith, faithfulness is truly meant to be, and faith is truly meant to be, is a relationship with God, a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And like any relationship, if you just boil it down to the rules, you're doing a real huge disservice to that relationship, and it, it oversimplifies the process and really isn't good for anybody. Now, um, when you try to make faithfulness about following the rules, you tend to make this relationship a very selfish thing. And I see it happen two, two different ways. There's probably more, but two that, that immediately came to mind as I was kind of thinking through this. Um, the first one is, if we look at our relationship with God and we see the rules as our ticket to heaven and our ticket out of hell, and so we want to be good people because we're kind of scared of God and we're scared of hell and we don't want to go to hell. And so you have a lot of people in churches who look very faithful, who do a lot of the churchy things, and, and they, they look like very kind, faithful people, but they're not motivated by this relationship they have with God. They're motivated by fear of hell. And to be fair, I don't want to go to hell. But the primary motivation of our faith in God should not be fear of hell. That's another way you see um, when things get selfish when you make faithfulness all about following the rules is some people are really good at following the rules. And they start to think, man, look how good I am at following all the rules. And I come to church every week and I have great attendance and I read my Bible and I pray and I, I give to the church and I'm nice to people and I do this and I do that. And and they, they have this pride that starts to well up in them, and they start to stand a little taller, and they feel way better about themselves, not because of their actual relationship with God. It's actually just about them and all the rules they follow. And the bigger and more puffed up and the taller they stand about their rule-following nature, the more they tend to look down on people who don't follow the same rules. And they think, if those people could just be as awesome as me, their life would be better. If everybody else would just get their act together the way I have my act together, Things would be great. And all of a sudden, their faith in God is not about God. It's about how I'm the superhero, you know, and I can, I'm here to save my own day. I'm going to save my own life. And you see a lot of people like this in churches. And they, again, they look very similar in certain ways to Christians because they come to church and they give and they do these things. But when you start looking at maybe like the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, they lack a lot of those very important things like love, joy, patience with people who are not doing great in their walk with God or just walking through life. They lack a lot of grace and kindness and mercy that we are meant to have our lives just exempl have exemplified in our lives. And so we do not want to make it just about the rules. It cannot be about the rules. Faith and faithfulness especially is more about the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. So here's how I would say uh, define faithfulness. Faithfulness is a consistent daily weekly, monthly, yearly honoring of your relationship with God. That's how I would define faithfulness. Or you could say faithfulness is consistently investing in and honoring your relationship with God. Just like any of your best relationships in your life, the better they are, the closer they are, it's because you are pouring into them, you are investing into them. And a relationship with God is really no different in that respect. And so faithfulness is you honoring and constantly working on this true, loving relationship with your Heavenly Father. And so... Being faithful is a relationship, and like any relationship, there are rules, but it's not all about the rules, okay? In my relationship with my wife, rules exist. We don't always talk about it. We don't write them down. There's no stone of thou shalt nots or thou shalts in our house, but there's certain things I know not to do, just as Eric was talking about. There's times you learn to keep your mouth shut. There's times you learn things not to say. 
There's times she knows when I'm frustrated and I don't need her to tell me it's okay. I just need her to kind of change this topic and just let me kind of get my mind off of that thing for a little bit. There's rules in your relationship, okay? But to say that my marriage is all about those rules, that's a disservice to my marriage, and that really limits what the fullness of, of who we are as a couple. And so the same is true of your relationship with God, and we want to honor that relationship with God each and every day, and that is how I would define faithfulness. And so I love others, not because it gets me into heaven and keeps me out of hell. Again, I don't want to go to hell, and I want to go to heaven, but I love others because God loves others, and it pleases him when I love others. I don't lie because God in his very nature is truthful, and I want to reflect and honor him in how I live my life because it's pleasing to him. And so obedience, daily obedience, following the rules, yes, in a lot of ways, but it's not out of the same mentality of just the rules. It's not for the rules. It's for him and his goodness and the relationship we have in our lives. Now, I do think it helps to think of our earthly relationships because sometimes we forget that God is a person, He's a personal God. He's a being with, he's not just up in heaven writing down all the rules to ruin your life. I think sometimes when, I, I, when you're young, and I remember when I first came to church, and you start, I'm like, I'm not supposed to do any of this stuff? Like, man, God doesn't want anybody to have fun ever. Like, and you kind of think that God's just this mean guy who's just out to ruin all the fun. But no, God has, a, has emotions, and he cares for you, and there's, there's a relationship there. And so when you think about the other relationships in your life where there are emotions and there's give and take and back and forth, that can really help you to kind of clarify what it means to have a relationship with God. For instance, when I make our bed or I rub my wife's feet, it's not to earn points or to get myself out of the doghouse or to save up credits for the next time I get myself in the doghouse. I do it because I love her and I want her to have a happy life. And if I can do a few things to please her and make her life happier, then sure, I want to do those things. That's how relationships work. That's why relationship is different. And so when you think of the word faithfulness, don't think of rule keeping. Think of a relationship when you want to be faithful to someone that you care about and someone that you love. In fact, we use the word faithful in our society in the, in the realm of marriage actually in a very good way to help us understand relationship and faithfulness to God. When someone is unfaithful in a marriage, we say that they've cheated. They've, and we all understand they've done something to break or sever the relationship. Um, yes, maybe they broke a rule of we don't have sex with people who aren't our spouse. That's a rule that should exist in all marriages, right? And so maybe they broke that rule, but we know it's more than just a cold and personal rule, don't we? By the heartache and the tears and the and the pain and the, the upheaval of a family, we see that it's much, much more, that faithfulness is much, much more than just breaking a cold and personal rule. And so I, if you get, don't walk away with anything else today. Understand that being faithful is about your relationship with God. It's not about how good or bad you are at keeping the rules. The rules will come into play, but that is not what it is primarily about. Uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Hosea. I don't know if you ever read the book of Hosea. It's not a very cheery book. If you're ever going to read it, I'll just warn you of that right now. Um, let's just go ahead and dive in. It, the, the, the opening couple of verses just totally spill it out. If you want to grab a Bible, we're actually going to just read a couple of verses in Hosea. We'll start um, in chapter 1, verse 2. If you want to grab a Bible, the black ones are near you in your pew, or the words will, are here behind me on the screens. <clears throat> okay, this is Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. And Hosea is a prophet, which means his job as a prophet is to speak whatever God tells him to speak and to do whatever God tells him to do because he, is, uh, he exists to communicate a message to the people of God. And so it says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman 
and have children with her for like an adulterous or for like an adulterous wife this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord and so he married Gomer daughter of oh, I didn't put those out there sorry Mary that's my fault the next verse says so he married Gomer daughter of De Blame I love that name like who's De Blame he is, you know, all the time. That's dumb. I'm so sorry. I can't, I love a good pun. It's my curse. Um, so he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, it says, and she conceived and bore him a son. So basically God says, go and marry this woman, and you know up front, she's not going to be faithful to you. She's going to sleep around with other guys, and you're going to marry her anyway, and she's going to be your wife. And there, he also hints that there's going to be kids that aren't his kids, that she's going to have kids of these other guys that she's sleeping around with while they get married. And that seems so crazy that God would order somebody to do that, that his obedience to God would lead him down such a painful, painful path. And so uh, in chapter 1, it says she conceived and bore him a son. And then later on, it says that um, she conceives and has two more children. But it doesn't say she didn't, it doesn't say that she bore him a son or bore him a daughter. It just says she conceived and had another child. And so the language there shows us these kids are not his. And they, and, uh, they name the children. Uh, the, first, the daughter, basically her name means not loved, which is great. Uh, I'm, we're going to have a kid if it's a girl. Probably not going to go with that one. Um, and then they have, they have a, a son, and they name him. Anybody know? Loammy. How about that? So the third son of this uh, lady Gomer, his name is Loammy. And Loammy means not my people. And so, you know, I've said before, maybe, maybe we might want to change the name of the church, maybe the town. I don't know if we get a good movement for it, but Not My People Christian Church doesn't sound the best, you know. Um, but that's where Hosea finds himself in this situation where he's married to a woman who's cheating on him and she has kids with other men. And at some point, she just leaves altogether to go live with one of these other men. And then if you go to chapter 3 and verse 1. It says this, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and she is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. So God orders Hosea to go get Gomer back, even though she's living with another guy. And this whole encounter, this whole thing of him consistently pursuing this woman who is always being unfaithful to him, who is always cheating on him, is supposed to be a picture of our relationship with God. And throughout history, God is always faithful to humanity. He loves us. He sends his son to die for us. He's incredibly faithful in pouring out love on him. And yet humanity has consistently proven to be unfaithful. We are always taking our eyes off God and chasing after other stuff things that are lesser than he is. And we don't want him to be our joy, him to be our life, him to be our fullness. We'll go find that stuff everywhere else, anywhere else that we can find it. If we can, have, if we can just distract ourselves with gadgets or cars or nicer this, nicer houses, nicer whatever, entertainment galore, sports galore, if we can just distract ourselves enough and make every day just fun enough, we don't ever have a need for God. And so we try to fill all these gaps that God is meant to fill in our life with other things. And we choose to not follow him and not to honor the relationship, even though he consistently, constantly, relentlessly honors his relationship with us. And so as painful as the story is, and you know, I, I read, as you start reading the story, you're like, man, poor Hosea, he's such a good guy. He's being so good and faithful. And then when Gomer leaves, which is, what an unfortunate name, um, and when Gomer leaves, uh, he, you think, good riddance, man, you can do better than her. 
You, you can find a, a lady who's up to your standards. You don't need her at all. And, and so you kind of root for him and root against her. And then as you get to the point of the story, you step back and you think, oh, I'm Gomer. Like, I'm the horrible one. God's amazingly faithful, and I'm supposed to see myself in her shoes. I just want to be, I want to assume that I'm the good guy in the story, don't you? Don't you automatically kind of want to side with Hosea? But in the story, the point that's trying to be made is that as human beings, we're the unfaithful ones that are straying from God each and every day. And so, that's not good news that we're Gomer, but there's this sinful thing in all of us that leads us to always move in the direction opposite of God. And so in the story, we are Gomer. And so how do we move from being Gomers? Man, that's a weird thing. How do we go from being, move from being Gomers to being people who are faithful? This fruit of the Spirit thing means that we're, as Christians, those of you that are believers, we're supposed to just be faithful people. It's supposed to be a natural part of who we are, okay? How do we move from being somebody who's drawn towards unfaithfulness to somebody who is naturally faithful? Well, it's kind of in, in the ways, uh, like that race I was talking about earlier, those guys, they're walking in this, I mean, that angle on that hill is ridiculous. And you know how they get to the top? They just keep taking steps. They just one step at a time, they get a little bit closer and a little bit closer, and they just don't stop taking steps. And before you know it, they've gone all that way up that ridiculously huge hill. It's very difficult. It's very hard. But they, but they just keep on going. And that's the thing about faithfulness, honoring God, being obedient to God. There's going to be times where it is incredibly difficult. You live in a world where there are all kinds of temptations. And I live in a world where there's all kinds of temptations. And one thing I remember being told a lot in you know, junior high and high school is don't give in to peer pressure. Don't give in to peer pressure. But you know what is interesting, I found, is that as you get older, peer pressure doesn't go away. How weird is that? Like, you're always around people and always face that, that, that push to do what everybody else is doing. It's kind of there. Sometimes we get a little bit better about, no, I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to do what's right. Even I can go a different direction of the crowd. But there's still a little bit of that pressure from your friends, from your family, and from society as a whole to go a certain way with your life. And so in the midst of those temptations, there will be times when it will be hard. There will be times when you, to, to follow God, you're going to have to step out and be weird, uh, weirder than all your friends. You're going to have to look like a crazy person. They're going to say, why would you live that way? You know, uh, one, one example of, that's just crazy different from our world right now is, is the world of being single. Uh, our world sees singleness as a curse, and the cure is to find somebody to love. The Bible teaches singleness as a gift, okay, because... And I, oh, I'm, I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. I can feel it coming out of my mouth. Um, you know, as Eric said, sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut. When you're single, you don't have to worry about that. Okay? There's a, that's a blessing. I'm so glad I have you. I love you so much, honey. But, but you know what I mean? Like, it's a blessing. You know what happened when I got married? I had way less time. And then we had kids, and I had even less time. And even more so, I got less energy now. And somehow, somehow at my house, I became a piece of furniture. My, like, my kids don't sit on the couch. They sit on me when I'm sitting on the couch. Or they sit on my head when I'm sitting on the couch. And I don't know how this happened, but my life is full. And I can serve God and I can help people less because I have a family that requires a lot of my time. The Bible consistently says, especially the Apostle Paul, being single, it ain't so shabby. It is a gift from God. And so to live saying, I'm single and I'm okay with it, and maybe that's just how I'm going to be so I can be more faithful to God, people will look at you and think, oh, you just couldn't get a date, huh? Have you tried online? Like, and, they'll, and they'll constantly be trying to like, fix you up. And you're like, no, this is me. I'm okay. 
I'm just going to, I think maybe this is what God wants me to go. I can serve better. But our culture will look at you and think, what an incredible weirdo. Why would you not cure your disease of singleness? And the Bible says it's not a disease. In fact, for some people, it's a gift from God. And so there will be times where to be faithful to God, you will have to be willing to step out into the realm of being different from everybody else and being weird and ignoring the peer pressure or societal pressure that comes on you. Or there will just be temptations. You will find people at work who you find attractive. There will, you will find people at work that are charming and they make you feel good about yourself. But you know what? That's not your spouse if you're married and that's not the direction you need to go in. And to be faithful to God and to be faithful to your spouse, you choose a different road and you ignore those good feelings and the, the way they make you feel puffed up about how, how good looking you are or how you dressed a certain day. And so we... To, to follow in faithfulness, it is that daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, constantly investing in the right things, investing in and honoring our relationship with God. So what are those things? You know, Because I can think of a dozen things this week that I did to not honor God. I mean, think back through your week. If, if it's about the consistent, everyday decisions, how many decisions did you make this week that weren't honoring to God? I, I typed up a few that I was thinking last night. I get, maybe I get too honest with them, tired. But um, honestly, I find greater joy in gadgets and gizmos sometimes than I do in God. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I, I'm a, I love techie stuff. I have always loved techie stuff. I, have been, I was born a nerd. I, I just came out wanting to play Nintendo and just live inside all the time. Um, if it weren't for my wife, my skin would be translucent because I would never leave the house. Um, and so I was born that way. And so... I love that stuff, and so I could just keep getting new this, new that, new, new movie, new game, new, and I could, I could be totally content with my life, and I, and I sometimes pour more into letting that cheer me up on a, on a better day rather than trusting in God to get me through a tough season. Um, I have thought horrible things this week. I won't say those things. Um, I live like God is oftentimes weak and unreliable, and then if my life is going to go well, I've got to conquer my life and I've got to get out and I've got to work hard to make my life the way it needs to be rather than depending on him. Um, I yelled at my kids, not because they did anything bad, but because they did something childlike. Anybody ever do that? Anybody feel bad? The other day James asked, we got this stuff called kinetic sand. It's not bad. It just gets everywhere because it's sand. And he's like, can we get that out? I'm like, no. Why not? It gets everywhere. It's horrible. And then a minute later, I was like, you know what? Get it out. There's no reason. I can vacuum it up. I'm just being a grump and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to get on to you because you asked me a hundred times in 30 seconds. You know, it's fine. Just go ahead, get the sand out. It'll be fine. And it's like, I, I yell, I get onto them, not because they're bad, not because they're, you know, being disobedient or any of that stuff, just because I'm grumpy or I'm in a bad mood and I don't want to deal with it and I'm late. That's, that's not great. I don't want to be that kind of guy. Um, there's been a ton of times this week where I decided I was too busy to pray because I had too much to get done. And yet, despite all of that stuff, despite the times when I chose something else instead of God this week, when I chose to honor myself or some other desire more than I chose to honor God, in spite of all that, God was still unwaveringly faithful to me. And all the places in your life where you chose something else instead of God, God still chose you, and he still chose to love you and care for you. And the greatest example of that is the fact that he sent his son to die for you. One of my favorite verses in the world is in Romans 5.28. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means at the height of your unfaithfulness, God was being faithful to you. And he chose to save you out of your mess, out of your muck, and out of your mire. And so, if we're going to be faithful people, it is because we, 
as Christians, if you're a Christian, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you just decide, I'm going to keep moving in the direction of God. And occasionally your foot's going to slip, and occasionally you're going to be tired, or maybe someday you're going to be mad at God, and you're going to think, my life's going bad, I really don't want to honor him today because I don't feel like he's honoring me. In those tough moments, you keep on moving, you keep on honoring God, you keep seeking him above all else in the world. And so as you go through this week, I just want you to think about all the decisions you're going to make. And I want you to think about, in this moment, how can I choose to honor God? And some things, it's not going to matter. McDonald's or Burger King. I don't know if God's honor, one is more honoring to God than the other, okay? Because everyone knows Wendy's is better than both of them. <laughs> and Chick-fil-A will soon eclipse all of them once it opens, if it ever opens. I think it's all a trick. We're not getting a Chick-fil-A. It's a joke. Anyway, that's my, I got to get back in my, that's my own personal opinion. And so we have to daily, consistently, and when, when those moments arise, say, okay, how can I honor God in this? What's the choice that is more honoring and, and faithful to God than maybe entertaining my angry feelings? Because I don't care how far away you get from God, how much you've wandered, how much you've maybe never even thought about God in your life at all. He has always, from the day you've been born, he's been faithful to you, and he has pursued you, and I don't think you're here by accident. I think you're here because God is pursuing you if you're here today and you're thinking, hey, I'm not really that much into God and I haven't really given that much to God today, but you're here for a reason and maybe it's to hear this, that God loves you and he sent his son to die for you so that every bad thing you've done in your life, you've got this list of bad things you've done, and Jesus comes and he takes all of that away so that you can have a second chance at life to live a better life, to walk a better road in him. And it's not always going to be easy but it's going to be a, a road that leads somewhere better, a road that leads not to despair. It helps you avoid all the horrible heartaches and things of that sort, and it leads you not to hell but to heaven and joy everlasting. So God has been forever faithful to you because he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross. And if you ever need an example of faithfulness in your life, it is Christ. You read the New Testament. He was consistently, constantly faithful every step of the way. And you say, God did that for me. That's how he loved me in this relationship. Now, I want to love him back. On the days when I feel my wife is just being awesome, which is every day, it makes me want to love her more. It makes me want to do more for her. The same should be true of your relationship with God. If you meditate and think on how good God has been to you in Christ, it should inspire you toward faithfulness. It should inspire you to keep taking those steps even when it's hard. So now we're going to take communion to remember exactly what Jesus did for you and the faithfulness that he showed to you. So if our servers would please go prepare to serve. And I just want you to think a little bit about faithfulness, that Jesus, at, at times, he even prayed, Father, please, if I can get out of going to the cross, I would like that to be taken. But Father, whatever your will is, that's the road I'm going to take. He was incredibly faithful all the way to death, even in despair, even when maybe he didn't want to be, and he was fearful of what was in the road ahead of him. He kept being faithful for you and for his heavenly Father. And so as he's faithful to you, so we must be faithful to him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day to talk about faithfulness. Thank you for this time to come together and talk about faithfulness. It's a, it's a topic we all think we understand, and we all like to think we're faithful. And we definitely don't want to think that maybe we're unfaithful. We don't like to think that we've, I don't know, cheated. or used, We don't like to think of using that language in our, any relationship, especially our relationship with you. But anytime we choose something else over you, that's cheating. That's that's not honoring to you. That's a breaking of, our, of this beautiful thing that you have built with us in Christ. And so I pray today, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, you would work in our hearts 
Give us a, a drive and a desire to be faithful. As we go through this week, I, I just pray that you would keep it on the front of our minds as we make every decision, as we encounter all sorts of choices that we would think, okay, which one of these is going to be more honoring to God? And that we would make that choice the right choice. And we would not make the choice that's easy or convenient, but we would do what honors you most and, and invest in the relationship that you have you sent your son to die for. The relationship that you deeply, deeply want us to have. And when we know you and love you, we will find joy in you. We will have peace in our hearts because we know that you're with us. We can be patient with other people who are struggling because we know that the only reason we don't struggle anymore is because you pulled us out of our struggle and started cleaning us up. We can be kind to others because you've shown us grace and we can show them grace. We can live lives to do good in, in our world because you are a God who is constantly doing good in ours and in our lives. And we can be faithful to you because you've been faithful to us. And Father, I just pray that we would be people, men and women of faith, men and women who, who will continue walking to, towards you even when it's hard, even when temptation feels strong and overwhelming. I pray that you would draw to our, our minds, hey, we have an opportunity to be faithful the way God has been faithful to us. We have an opportunity to return his goodness and kindness to us. So Father, help us. We're only gonna be faithful. We're only gonna be, we're only gonna be able to change away from being like Gomer and being like Hosea by your help and by your Spirit's mighty power in us. Let us not throw away that power and choose temptation and sin and anything else over you. Let us be people of faithfulness. We pray all this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.